Now on Documentary News Talk, producer Kieran Ryan explores the world's longest-running publication of the Irish diaspora in the Southern Cross, the Irish-Argentine community. This is the first page of the first issue. It was January 1875. You can go through these pages finding different characters, very important Irish people, very important for our country. Almost 150 years ago, an English language newspaper was established in Buenos Aires, Argentina by an Irish priest and it was aimed at the Irish-Argentine community. It was during a time where Irish emigration to Argentina had perhaps peaked. But today, conservative estimates suggest that at least half a million people of Irish descent live in Argentina, making it the fifth largest diaspora in the world. The newspaper that was founded in 1875, the Southern Cross, is now the longest running publication of the Irish diaspora in the world. It certainly strengthened and built on this a different kind of Irish identity. For my generation, Southern Cross was still very, very important. For my father, for my parents' generation, it was the Bible. It was something familiar for me, receiving every week the Southern Cross by post at home. As I enter this park here, I can see a monument, which says Plaza Irlanda which was put here in October 12th, 1927. And just across the road is Monsignor Dillon Institute. Patrick Dillon, who became a Monsignor in the 1870s, was born in Tuam or in the west of Ireland. And he was one of the scholarship seminarians paid for by Monsignor Fahey, Dominic Fahey was the Dominican. Dermot Keogh is a retired professor of history from University College Cork, who is an expert on Latin America, and recently published his latest book entitled Ireland and Argentina in the 20th Century. Unlike Fahi, who was more the conventional missionary priest, uh, Dylan established himself in Buenos Aires and led a very public life, even becoming a, a congressman, having a close working relationship with the various presidents in the 1870s. Really it was after independence, the independence of South America, when Irish people went in any significant numbers um, as ordinary emigrants. Dr Margaret Brehney is the president of the Society for Irish Latin American Studies. Maybe a wealthier emigrant went out first, saw the opportunities. Then they needed labour, you know, it was a vast country with, you know, scarce enough population. So they would have come back and brought groups of Irish people, mostly from the Midlands to begin with. It wasn't really until after the famine when people went in greater numbers. The last sort of large migration was around 1880, what's known as the Dresden Affair. About a thousand people, families, children, men and women, who were brought over by, you know, investors who, who, who sort of set up this scheme. The conditions were really harsh, uh, really difficult. And after that, you know, word came back, don't do it, it's too risky. 
Before the Southern Cross, you had the Standard, which was the first English-speaking newspaper. That was set up by the Mulhall brothers. The British influence in Argentina was very strong. And Irish people, because they spoke English, they were identified as English, Ingleses, rather than Irlandeses. There was a certain social mobility possible through this English-speaking world. It was, in orientation, quite different from the Southern Cross, universal in its coverage. But the Southern Cross under Dillon became a voice for the Irish in Argentina. It was a paper that did a great deal to to unify the disparate Irish uh, immigrants uh, spread around Buenos Aires in the Pampas, living close to somebody in the Pampas meant that you were 30 kilometres or 40 kilometres away. And for that reason, a journal or a paper like the Southern Cross, coming as it did weekly, was welcomed by the community and I think widely read by the community. Universidad del Salvador, or USAL, is situated in the heart of Buenos Aires. It is here that we meet Paula Artis and first Veronica Repetti, two academics at the School of Modern Languages, who have utilised the Southern Cross as part of their ongoing research projects. They were making a huge effort, the Irish in Argentina, to um, adapt to the national society. One major obstacle was the language. There is this mixed feeling, you know, between being Argentine or trying to belong to Argentina, but also with a very strong link to the motherland, so to Ireland. All that is reflected in the Southern Cross to a great extent, I would say. But you can judge that the paper is healthy, at least economically, after the first few years by the number of advertisements that are in its pages. And it, uh, of course, provided information for a community that was overwhelmingly sort of um, making its living from either owning land or working on the land. It had a sharp view of contemporary Argentine politics. When Dylan, in a sense, ceased to be editor, he was succeeded by a man called Deneen from Cork, who was a strong Irish nationalist, and the paper took on a very sort of lively, um, and I think probably much more lively than when Dylan was the editor, much, much more engaged and much more professional. Dylan had recruited a young journalist called William Bulfin, and uh, he uh, worked on the land and rose in the ranks in the in the countryside. He, he wound up as a sort of farm manager or mayor domo, as they're called in Argentina. Uh, But his vocation was journalism. And uh, he was a very lively, talented, uh, well-educated man. And I think under his editorship from the 1890s up to when he went back to Ireland in 1909, the paper probably was at its peak. So the reason why he went there with his brother was because an uncle of him was um, a, a priest who was appointed to the Argentine province of Buenos Aires. And so when he went there, he worked in the, in the, in the camps for about five, six years, and he met his 
later wife, um, Anne O'Rourke. Maria Luhan Medina is a PhD student at Maynooth University, researching Irish diasporic narratives in Argentina. She has extensively examined Bulfin's writings in the Southern Cross in the late 19th century. He decided to leave the camp and move over to the city because he wanted to have, you know, a better opportunities, you know, financial security for his new family. And so when he got there, he decided to contact the Southern Cross. And so when he started writing stories, eventually they, become, they became popular because there were stories about his experiences working in the Pampas, working in the camp, and interacting with other Irish uh, men who were there, with other English, Spaniards, Italians, so many immigrants, and locals, Argentines, who were living in that, in that countryside. His story was very popular because, you know, they, they really spoke to, to those who had similar experiences, spoke about life in the Pampas to those who didn't even know the Pampas here in Ireland. And so he would write very colourful anecdotes of what you know, life is, um, how difficult it could have been, uh, how funny it would have been sometimes the interactions with languages um, that not everyone really understood. And so they are engaging in the sense that they, are, they speak about challenges that they all experience within the Irish diaspora. He later began began writing about concerns that were more political, perhaps, um, such as do the Irish and, um, by extension, all immigrants living in Argentina should have the right to vote uh, and participate in the political development of the country as they already participate in the economic uh, and the cultural development of the country as well. And that was a huge debate that in a way, um, inspired many others really to start thinking about as well what was their role and what was their level of participation. So one can say that Bulfin was um, was one of the liveliest people to uh, hold the editorship of the Southern Cross, a paper which he bought out in the 1890s. So he was proprietor. Unfortunately, Bulfin died in 1910, on the front page of the Southern Cross from the 11th of February of that year, they wrote, The grief for William Bolfin will be wide and deep. It will extend to those who will deplore his loss as a writer and a public man, as well as to thousands who loved him as a personal friend. And his family maintained an interest in the paper, but the, there was no member of the family there until 1919, when Eamon Bolfin, his son, was chosen by Dáil Éireann to represent Ireland as the first diplomat uh, to, um, to Argentina. In the Southern Cross in December 1919, there's a reference to a previous edition, where two female writers, Mary and Nora, wrote about various issues. A women's column called Around the Home went back as far as the 1890s. They were given a space within the Southern Cross to talk about their their experience living in the in the countryside, their experiences living in a new country, their experiences struggling with the education of their children in a school where they didn't perhaps speak their language. But also, you know, that didn't mean that they didn't have a role or that they have a place. And indeed the newspaper gave them a place and gave them a voice to discuss 
all of these, you know, concerns that women had at that time. For women, we could say, and um, by women. It was a uh, female writing. And of course, I mean, there's many other aspects to this um, cooking. <laughs> if you were interested in what was the food that they, were, that they were consuming with the new ingredients that they were exploring in, in the Pampas, that's very interesting as well. And athletics and football and how do they incorporate sports in, into, into their life in the, in the Pampas, you know, to make it a bit more um, yeah, engaging within the community. So, so there's so many, so many aspects and layers um, to fully appreciate life in the Pampas that you can simply learn about by reading the newspaper. And I found, curiously, that there was an edition in the 900s, exactly, telling a whole page with the instructions or the rules of hurling, which is unbelievable. We, I have a poster somewhere with that, and there were pictures, and it was so curious. One of the rules was what to do if an inspector was hit during the game, because at the 900s they used to play at uh, what is a park, Irish park is called, Plaza Irlanda, and of course there were no enough canans for everyone, so there were big fights about uh, who have to pay, but in that article in particular were the rules and one of the rules is if there is a, if it's an inspector is hit by the ball you get a free kick so it was very curious you know so it's something that must happen very really often if they have to put it in the rules that's ronnie quinn he's a former president of hurling club an irish sports and social organization based in hurlingham approximately 20 kilometers from Buenos Aires. As you approach the clubhouse, there's a sign on the front of the building with Cade Mila Folta beside the club's crest with a shamrock on it. In the bar, family crests are on the windows. Donnelly, Lynch, O'Toole, Herbert and Dolan, just some of the surnames. Members mingle downstairs for Sunday dinner while a rugby match concludes on the outdoor pitches. Upstairs, along with Ronnie, I meet club members Sylvia Fleming and first Dickie McAllister, himself a former president. The Irish who came here, they brought their sport, hurling, but not the Gaelic football. It's amazing. No Gaelic football in Buenos Aires. They started playing since the 1900s. The, the former foundation of the Federation is 1922. Now we are 100 years. When the game died during the Second War, 1941, no more hurlers in Buenos Aires because the Second War. Yes, hockey sticks for the English club, but no hurlers for the hurlers for the Federation. <laughs> so, 1941, the game is very, very sad to say, died. And from that time, we started with rugby and with hockey for men and women. My parents received the Southern Cross at home every week on those times, 1940s, 1950s, was one of the ways to know what was going on with the Irish community in Buenos Aires and the rest of the country. For example, my daddy told me, 1940, he played for Fahy Boys, and every week the results was in the standard, and the standard and in the Southern Crops. Not just the results, you know, also, also what happened, who won, why, 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 Mercedes won, you know. I'm part of a group of eight members researching and 
trying to gather information, pictures, everything we were able to, to find with the huge cooperation of all the members of the club, or at least many of them, enormous help has been the Southern Cross. Looking for different things that had to do with our foundation. When we moved from Devoto to Hurlingham, we had a fire here in 1955 and we lost the club. Everything that happened in this club we can find it in the Southern Cross. Because the Southern Cross has had a very, very important work informing all the community about all the issues related to the community. The Southern Cross was like the club. I I was not coming, I was brought here. I, I grew up here, there was no choice. And the Southern Cross was also something that it was there that we will read. But the Southern Cross was meant for the people from the flung, mostly, uh, not from, for the people from the city. I remember the Southern Cross arriving home by the post, of course. Although I was a small girl or a teenager, I was really interested in going through those pages. I can remember some of the sections I would pay attention to for example, wit and humor, all the social information, who got married, uh, who had uh, the degree, or um, babies born, all the sports, everything that had to do with the community. On this one, I was very interested when I went through. It was in 2000 when the... um, Southern Cross celebrated its 125 years. The Irish-Argentine community has a special celebration whenever St. Patrick's is on a weekend. I found here in this number, in this edition, all that we call it the St. Patrick's pilgrimage because all the Irish-Argentine go to a cathedral uh, in a place called Luján. So I found here in this Southern Cross all the celebrations from the first one when they decided to go to Luján till the year when this, um, this was issued. there is one in I think it's 1922 or 24 when there is this train going to Luján filled with pilgrims from all over you know the province of Buenos Aires heading to Luján for a St. Patrick's Day and it had on the front of the train of the railway this Viva de Valera sign there was like a flag there um, a very patriotic you know Irish statement there on the train and that was on a particular pilgrimage to Luján. I'm Paula Ortiz I'm the head of the School of Modern Languages at Universidad de Salvador and also I belong to the chair of Irish Studies which started at this university in 2015. And uh, I also take part in the uh, research project 
together with Veronica Repetti. I guess the newspaper was a means of gathering the people within this Catholic religion and most of the, the, um, the articles that, that the newspaper had uh, related to Catholic events. Um, masses or gatherings or baptisms or social uh, news about Catholic uh, communities. So, yes, there was a very strong uh, Catholic impronta uh, in, in the newspaper. So, I would say that if there is an identity for the Southern Cross, it is more a Catholic identity than a, an Irish one. So under a tree here at Plaza Irlanda is a bust of Patrick Pierce. And so Plaza Irlanda and you also have St. Bridget's School and Senior Dillon Institute kind of makes up a little Irish, I suppose, triangle. At the Mount Senior Dillon Institute we will be able to see the entire archive of Southern Cross. Who are these men um, who are on the wall here? There are ex-presidents and actual president of the Irish Catholic Association. The Irish Catholic Association was founded by Father Patrick Joseph Dillon in 1883. Well, my name is Santiago Usher. Second name is Radigan, then Dillon, Ronan, McCormack, Smith. Well, those are my names. I look after the archives of the Southern Cross. Uh, this building belongs to the Irish Catholic Association and uh, we had an agreement uh, with the editor of the Southern Cross so that we could look after this, the archives in a safe place, clean and, uh, well, it's, as you see, a place where the collection is quite looked after. For instance, this one, 1944. It's quite in good conditions. In 1944, is everything in English in the 19th 1940- Everything in English. Maybe, maybe Petit Sierra's Hotel here, we see it's, a, it's in Spanish. The, the, the advertising uh, can, can be in, in the rest of it. No, it's all, it's all in, in, in English. I don't know who, who the editor was in those days. Maybe we can find out. In the decades that followed, uh, the uh, editorship of the two Foley brothers. The paper was um, was managed and edited by a succession of priests, Miguel, Quinn, Juan Santos, Gaynor. Into the 1950s, the newspaper had a clerical editor. I, I, that's it. It's uh, Reverend John S. Gaynor. Cruz del Sur, Southern Cross, Cruz del Sur. In 1875 and says, we are independent of politics, conservative in religion, respectful of the opinions of others and charitable to all. Oh. <laughs> That's night motto, isn't it? <laughs> Single copies, 30 cents. Other countries, one and a half pounds. No, yeah. The Southern Cross had correspondence, for instance, in Arrecifes, in Pergamino, San Antonio de Areco, Venado Tuerto, Rosario, Córdoba. They, they, they sent the news to the Southern Cross in Buenos Aires, and it was printed. So everybody knew what was happening in Rosario or, or some other places, rather than 
Buenos Aires. That's your story, yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that, that belonged to my family, yeah. My, that's my grandfather's. Well, if, if we go further back, in the front pages, Usher's store, yeah. So does your, your grandfather's store regularly advertised in? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Guillermo Federico Usher. To the Southern Cross, the Irish Argentine community by Kieran Ryan on documentary on News Talk. I find very interesting to go through the microfilms and see in 1944 my parents' wedding, my brother, my first brother, Bert, and, well, no, it's, it's, if you start looking, kind of, you can't stop. I went to Gardner Newman College, that's a Christian brother's college, and in 1960, playing rugby, we were the champions. Southern Cross published our photograph of the, the team, and sometimes I, to see myself in the world, <laughs> in 1960, <laughs> 12, 12 or 13 years old. Huh? It's very nice to do that. It's very nice. It's interesting. My first job was at, at the Southern Cross in Medrano 107. I took the money to the bank and those, those little things, administration, but uh, I was uh, 18 years old. Huh? So that was a long time. I mean, Southern Cross is, is a part of me. My father was the editor of the, of the Southern Cross twice since his life. He died as an editor. That was in 1968. A passionist priest called Federico Richards. He took over the job in 1968 and he was gifted as a newspaper man. Um, he was a very good journalist. And it became mainly Spanish, uh, published in Spanish language, very little English, uh, because now the Irish Argentines were Spanish-speaking, and they were bilingual. But Richards wanted to extend the uh, readership out outwards, and uh, and his paper was extremely lively. In July of 2022, protesters have gathered near Recoleta Cemetery, a significant landmark in Buenos Aires. We are in, uh, at the Recoleta Cemetery in the city of Buenos Aires, an outstanding cemetery where a lot of former presidents of the nation and, and warriors and, and, and writers are here. And among them, there are many Irish people like uh, Admiral William Brown, the founder of the Argentine Navy, or Father Fahy, who was the chaplain of the Irish. I'm Guillermo McLaughlin, or William McLaughlin. I'm uh, nowadays, since uh, 2009, the editor of the Southern Cross. Nowadays, we are the oldest Irish newspaper printed outside Ireland. I began writing the Southern Cross when I was 14 years old, that I went to the old 
facilities in Calle Medrano, and there I met uh, Father Richards, who was the editor at that time, and he told me, please continue writing. And well, since, since more than 40 years, I'm writing in the newspaper. My family was based in Suipacha and Mercedes, which are uh, two towns in the west of the province of Buenos Aires. And I wrote about the Irish in those areas. An aunt died and I, I wrote an obituary. That was the first thing I, I had printed in the Southern Cross. But then I began writing about the Irish in, in the area, the Irish in, the, in, the, um, in some clubs, or what they do, who was a Lord Mayor, or something re recording uh, related with, with the Irish there. Now, when the military took over in 1976, in March 76, Richards uh, might have been expected by certain Irish Argentines to support the coup d'etat, but Richards fought against this military takeover. The editorial columns of the newspaper were very vigorous in their condemnation of the government of the, uh, by the military and civilian military dictatorship, which lasted until 1983. For example, on the 4th of July 1976, five Palatines were uh, murdered uh, in their monastery. Two of the three priests who were killed had Irish names, and had close associations with Ireland. Uh, Alfredo Leyden and Alfredo Kelly from Mercedes. Kelly uh, was um, outspoken, the most outspoken of the three priests. Uh, nobody anticipated, however, that the, the Argentine government would connive in the murder of these five Palatines, um, but that was the case. The Southern Cross under Richards condemned, of course, these murders as Richards condemned the murders of doctors, lawyers, um, other professionals um, before that and, and after that. The wonder is that he wasn't disappeared along together with sort of, you know, 10, 12,000 other people who lost their lives during that bloody military dictatorship. But somehow he survived. And on those times of the dirty war, I remember those writings, when, when they kidnap people and they make disappear. And here the Irish community, we didn't, we didn't know about that. But Joe Richards, director at the time of the Southern Cross, he... In his writing, he, he told us bad things are going on in Argentina. Nobody believed. And he came under considerable pressure to, I suppose, tone down his editorial line. However, the pressure became so great that he took a sabbatical for a number of months from the paper and travelled to Rome, came back and took over the newspaper at the end of the, of the 70s. Most of the Irish Argentine community is very conservative. It still is. So at uh, Father Richard's uh, time, subscribers started unsubscribing. Not to speak of those who used to pay for ads in the Southern Cross. They were political, and the Southern Cross was not 
a political paper. It was a social and cultural one. It is July 9th, an important day in Argentinian society. I am at the Fahi Club, which was named after Father Dominic Fahi. The club is a central social and cultural hub for the Irish Argentine community. An Argentinian asado, a form of barbecue, has been prepared with Irish music and dance entertaining the guests. Here I meet Juan José Delaney, who utilised the Southern Cross as part of his PhD thesis at USAL. Well, I was educated uh, at a Salesian school as a boarder. Every Sunday my parents used to come to visit me and they brought me sweets, uh, pocket money, uh, different things, and the Southern Cross, which at that time was uh, English. The complete uh, edition was written in English. I became a contributor of the Southern Cross while I was in secondary school. That was thanks to Father uh, Fred Richards. So thanks to that and to the fact that uh, I used to visit uh, the Southern Cross office and that he offered me books and brochures on the Irish uh, community in Argentina, I started learning about the Irish in Argentina. So at that time, I saw the Southern Cross as a possibility of writing short stories which had nothing to do with Irishness. And that's what Father Richards published. So I'm thankful to him for this. If Richards was condemnatory of the military in during the dictatorship, he was vigorous and an outspoken supporter of the actions of the military in 1982 when they took over the Malvinas or the Falkland Islands. Richards became even more outspoken in his opposition to the Irish government position when uh, Dublin supported sanctions, EEC sanctions, against Argentina. So the Irish-Argentine community uh, were behind the Southern Cross in its criticism of the of the Irish government, having been criticised heavily by Irish Argentines because of what he stood for during the early years of the dictatorship, was now at one with many Irish Argentines when he vigorously and vociferously supported the Argentine occupation of the Falklands. Today is the 9th of July. Since 1816, we become independent of Spain. And today is the anniversary. Juan Jose's uncle, Luis Delaney, worked at the Southern Cross in the 1990s. In those days that I was working in our office, I would spend some time at the Southern Cross doing the accounting. And then, in 1996, I took on the job full-time. I attend the people that came in to subscribe, or to, or, and I did the accounting. The paper was prepared and typed and sent it to our office, and we would go to the post office and get it mailed. Yes, there were a big packing, loads of packages here, and we used to 
Casal Street, which was on, one block away, and there was a post office there. We had an arrangement with the people there. When we received the papers, I would go and tell them, today we're bringing the papers, and they said, well, come in at 3 o'clock, and they would have an officer there ready to attend us, because everybody would go in with a letter or two, but we were, they have 1,500 papers. Well, that's the way we mailed it to the people. You know? It would go out by mail. Any Irish home had the, the Southern Cross, I used to send out 1,800, I remember, one month. And I remember one person phoned, hey, I didn't get the paper. And, and I said, okay, you'll get it tomorrow. And I went, now leave us. Now that lady died. So going home, at night, I went to her place and delivered the paper by hand, and <laughs> she was so thankful that I remember all this. After Father O'Neill, Jimmy O'Durnin, in some way he began the modernization of the newspaper with the, the new machines, and he was editor when all the computers and, and, and internet and everything began. So it was a new Southern Cross when when he took over. And I worked close with him, and also I became part of the uh, members of, of, of the board of the company who ran the Southern Cross. When uh, Jimmy O'Donnell was ill, he one day I, I came to the office. Nobody asked me before. And then he stand up and said, we want to congratulate the new editor of the Southern Cross. So, so that's why he, he passed me the post. And since then, uh, well, it's an honor and also it's an obligation for me to keep this uh, the spirit of the Southern Cross. In some way, I am a different editor from my previous. I'm the first one who is not an Irish-born or the son of an Irish born. I'm a sixth generation in Argentina. In my first editorial, I wrote that we are not more an Irish-Argentine community. We are an Argentine community of Irish origin and that we are very proud of our Irish origin. The newspaper, which began uh, all in English, had changed to all in Spanish. And I said, no, we have to, to change this. Though the majority of the pages are in Spanish, I introduced the editorial printed in both languages. And also I began printing with new contributors uh, articles in English, but not translating because you, you lose things. They are published in, in English in some way that people who don't know English, well, they have to make an effort to, to know what is, is there printed. I remember reading the Southern Cross when I was a little girl. I mean, it's something that was in my family, you know, always. It's something that was in my grandmother's house and in my mother's house. So that's something that was part of our, of our habits, I don't know, since I was a little girl. And at some point I decided I wanted to study journalism so one thing led to another, and at some point um, I got my grandfather to introduce me to the people who were at that time working at the Southern Cross and get them to 
not hire me because it was a very uh, pro bono, I mean, uh, free thing, but I got to, to do my first bits as a journalist for the Southern Cross back in 2008. And I've been you know, working with them ever since. Brenda Lynch-Wade has written for the Southern Cross for a number of years. Being one of the English speakers from the Southern Cross allowed me to be the main interviewer when people from Ireland came over to Argentina. So I got to interview, I don't know, many important writers, many important people from I don't know, uh, directors, politicians, as I said, the ministers who usually come here for celebrating St. Patrick's Day, you, you name it. <laughs> the best piece I wrote and the most uh, fulfilling experience being an inter- uh, as journalist for the Southern Cross was interviewing President Michael T. Higgins when he came to Argentina in 2012. At that point, I was working not only for the Southern Cross, but also for the Buenos Aires Herald, which is kind of the English equivalent. <laughs> it's a paper that has been published uh, since uh, also the 19th century and up till 2015, I think. So I kind of did the interview for both one paper and the other. We published the English version and with sort of an English or a more political uh, aspect of the interview in the Buenos Aires Herald. And we conducted the Spanish version with Guillermo for our Southern Cross um, special. And it was really impressive to, to meet someone like Michael D. Higgins. It's something that an honor that I have um, being part of the Irish community and being so far away from Ireland, and I haven't had the privilege of interviewing an, an Argentine president <laughs> in my time as a journalist. So that's, that's something that's really you know, peculiar about our, our role here in Argentina and the connections we have with Ireland. 1876-1878. This is more or less a complete collection as far as I understand. Yes, it's, it's a complete collection up to 2019, that's, that's the last paper edition, April to December 2019. Okay. And what kind of things are, are in this uh, edition? Dickie McAllister, <laughs> November, December 18. This is the last number. You see, this is where they took the Encuentro Nacional Argentino Irlandés in Arrecifes. That's an annual meeting, general meeting of the Irish in Argentina. Okay. Or Irish Argentines, of course. No? This is the ambassador, um, Jackie O'Halloran. All boys, hurling, hurling club, all boys that they played, they played uh, hockey. <laughs> this was many, many years ago, this photograph. So sometimes what you'd find is there'd be kind of a look back to the past. In, 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 in Every now and then, yes. yes. It, 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 sometimes it's 50 years ago in the Southern Cross. No, it's, it's some, someone, there's a um, chronicle of what happened 50 years ago. Print media globally has faced many challenges in recent years. The Southern Cross has changed dramatically over the decades. A weekly publication became a monthly one and then it became a newsletter that was more sporadic. Since the outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemic, it has operated as a solely digital publication. You, you could see that it was going to be difficult for it to remain in the same format that has been published for so many years and still get at least the, the, uh, just the rentability to keep it going. Uh, it, was, it was not going to be easy. And this is an attempt to keep it going if, it, if it's not uh, in, in the way that many of our traditional readers would like it to be. And, and unfortunately, it's true for many papers and not just the Southern Cross. I mean, I worked for the Buenos Aires Herald and I saw it collapse as a, as a print paper. 
having the possibility to have a publication, if it, even if it's online, that's a lot. And I'm, I'm really glad that Guillermo is working a lot to, get, to keep it going and just not let it die out. Now we are thinking like a mix, uh, three or four times in the year as a print edition and monthly a digital edition. That's what we, we have in mind and, and the project we want to refound now. But we think that in some way, part of the print edition we have to keep because it's, it's like you see that the newspaper is alive. Because the people keep the editions. Uh, you have uh, someone who received the newspaper, but it's not the only person in the family who reads the newspaper. In, in, in family unions, reunions, you have the, the, the old man who received the newspaper, but then on Sunday the children come for lunch and they keep an eye also in, in, in the Southern Cross. So we, we say that uh, almost uh, six people read each uh, paper edition, not only the one who received it. The last years of the Southern Cross before the pandemic were very, very difficult because the lack of money, because, you know, the lack of subscribers. I always say, and I think, really, I think, that the Irish community in Buenos Aires, all of us, the rich ones, and not the so-so-rich ones, we have, in some way, we have to do anything about to save the Southern Cross and still have the, the paper edition once a month, or once two months, I don't know. But uh, I think... We have to do that. The Southern Cross gave a lot to the community. Nowadays, we may be more or less close to a million Irish descendants in Buenos Aires. Close to a million, maybe. And the Southern Cross has to be there. Has to be there. I would love to have the paper again once a month at home, you know? Because I think it's important we have the Southern Cross as a little glue for the community. I really enjoy when I receive uh, the newsletter in my email. It's uh, worth keeping it. I wish it goes on. In September 2022, after a long hiatus, a digital version of the Southern Cross newsletter was published. Could this be the start of something more regular again? I have uh, three children, but at home they say I have four children. It's like my son, the, the Southern Cross, though the Southern Cross is older than me. <laughs> I think I have to keep that, and I'm very proud, and I'm uh, spreading the, the voice of the Southern Cross everywhere seeing that we are close to celebrate our 150 years, but we have to continue another 150 years. The Southern Cross, the Irish-Argentine community, was produced by Kieran Ryan and was supported by a grant from the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland as part of the Sound and Vision Scheme. Music by Sean Keegan. For more documentary and drama, visit Newstalk.com.